thank you Jesus there is always that tendency for you to look at the situations you are going through and be ungrateful for the other good things that the Lord has showered in your life this morning I want you to take your eyes off the difficult and look unto the goodness of the Lord and give him praise and honor his name oh glorious be the name of the Lord oh for there is none like unto thee father when you consider your love to us Lord oh when you consider your faithfulness when you consider your mercy thank you Jesus thank you we love you the Bible says that we love because he said love us Father Lord we have experienced your love to the extent that we also begin to love others oh it's your love thank you Jesus thank you Father Father, as you're about to hear your word today, ah, David said, Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. He said, More to be desired than gold. Yea, even the finest gold of offering. He said, Your word has made me ten times better than my teachers. Oh, how shall a young man keep his ways pure, except he heeds your word? Oh, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Father Lord, this morning we are not here for the milk. We are here for strong meat. Say that strong meat belongs to those that are of age. We give you praise. We honor your name. In Jesus' name we pray, thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. Kindly take your seats. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So um, I would like to thank you know, this formality. They always do. So let me also do some. Um, the leaders of this glorious church, hallelujah, for inviting me. I don't usually like going to preach outside. Outside my church, hallelujah. Because I'm committed. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. But we begin at 9, so I have to make sure that I end. So you have about some 40 minutes. Okay, so thank you very much once again. Now, before I usually start teaching, okay, there's no preaching, it's teaching. I'm not a preacher, I'm a teacher. So get ready, you are going to have lectures, hallelujah. Amen. So you have your notebooks and everything. So, um, usually before I start teaching, I talk about leadership, okay? Because um, I believe that we are all leaders. God has made each and every one a leader. Amen. Amen. See, you are the leader of your own life. That's the first assignment God has given you, to lead your own life. So, you are a leader of your life. So, don't say, me, I'm not a leader, okay? You are a leader of your own life. So, you should understand certain things about leadership. And I usually pick one thing and talk about leadership. Today, I'll talk about the faithfulness of a leader. See, as a leader, you ought to be faithful. Now, when you talk about the word faithfulness, okay, I have realized increasingly that 
You know, without faithfulness, you never experience anything from God. Amen. And I'll show you in two minutes. If you want to say faithful, when you spell it, it means faith is full. So faithful is the fullness of faith. Okay? So let's say, let's say, okay, I'll not use it as an example. Okay, let's say I am faithful to an assignment, right? <clears throat> For example, coming here is faithfulness because I have to wake up very, very early and go to the world, feel my patient before I came here. Okay, so if I say I'm faithful to an assignment, or let's say most of us are faithful to school. I believe everyone here is a serious student. <laughs> so the reason why you are faithful to school is because you have so much faith in school that if you take it seriously, it will bring you to a certain desirable outcome. Do you get it? So whatever you are faithful in, you have full faith in that thing. So whatever you show faithless in, or if you are not faithful to anything, that means you don't really trust that thing. Do you get it? So your faithfulness towards God or the things of God is a surrogate marker of amount of faith you have in God. Don't deceive yourself that you have faith. Let me see how faithful you are to God. Then I will know your level of faith. Don't come and tell us you have faith. Don't post on your status that oh, I have faith. No. Your faithfulness will show us. It will give us an indication of how how, how much faith you have in God. It's a very important concept to grasp. Now, aside leading your, your life, okay, God will make you leader, leaders of other institutions or bodies, including, let's say, this fellowship. Your attitude towards the leadership is very important because, you know, there is always that tendency to think that, you know, some people went somewhere, did vetting and called you, right? And if that is your mindset towards the leadership, you treat it anyhow. But if you believe what God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, that before, you see, you were born, before you were formed in your mother's womb, that means that I knew you. He said, I knew you firstly, and secondly, I called you, and I assigned you as a prophet unto the nations. That is to say, that the assignment of Jeremiah preceded or antedated his birth. Do you get it? My hand is beginning to shake. So, whatever assignment God has given you, hmm, it's antedated even when you were, you were conceived. It's, it's eternal. So, don't think that some people called you and then, if that is your attitude, hmm, you serve anyhow, and you come in and you are always, you know, saying, this people, they are worrying me. But if you understand that it's God that has called you for this work, hmm, you do it with all your heart. That's how I see any assignment that I'm giving it. I see that before the foundations of the world, God knew that I am the only person who can do it. And I do it faithfully. Hallelujah. But if you think that they went for it and they called me, that is the reason why people are not serving. And even if they are serving, they serve anyhow. And let me tell you, if you serve anyhow, you will not receive any re- rewards from God. When it comes to God, as I said, it's all or none. So you are giving Him your all, or you are giving Him your none. Either He is first in your life, or he's not in your life at all. He doesn't take the second place. No. You can't, if you make God second in your life, he won't work for you. That's why in your life you're not seeing any miracles. God does not take the second place. If you don't teach you this, you treat God anyhow and expect God to work and say, hey, why is that when I prayed, I didn't receive answers. But other people pray and then they receive answers. Why is that you don't? Because you've made God either second, third, or fourth in your life and he's not going to work. Hallelujah. Imagine the whole big God. You're making him second. Ah. It's like, you know, you know, I don't talk about relationship because I'm very interested. You know, I, I, I was going to say, but I won't say. I was going to say that. <laughs> you know, you have, you have, you have, you have um, how do you call it? Um, a mean chick and what? 
and a side chick, right? Even these days, the side chicks are even getting more attention. But, right? But you see, the main one is, you know, how, how would you feel if you said you go and tell someone that, you know, I want you to be my side chick, number two. Okay, this one is number one. Okay, you are not Abraham's so Maybe those people. <laughs> right? But you see, God wants the first place in your life. That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom. First, proofs. That's the Greek word. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things. You see, huh, I was telling someone that then, the money that you, you people are looking for money, right? Tell me, I don't look for money. God is first. All other things will come. You see, I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you. If you don't understand faithfulness, you will treat God anyhow. And God will not work for you. If you want God to work for you in your life, in your academics, whatever you do, okay, you can get to a realm where whatever you, whatever you touch becomes a blessing. You touch something more than it's magnified. You touch something more, it's magnified. Because God is in you. That's why he said he will uphold us with his righteous right hand. That means that God's hand is that which is doing whatever you ought to do. And it magnifies us. A strong right hand. Hallelujah. So I want to just encourage us hmm, that we should be faithful towards the cause of God. God must be first in our lives. Hallelujah. Yes. What, what is it that you want? Money. Influence. What? Knowledge. What, what do you want? Hmm? If, you, if God is first, then all those people are chasing. You know, they, they there tends to be chasing to come to you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But just that we are treating God anyhow. And you have to tell you, God is love. But God works with principle. You can't treat him anyhow and think that God is, because God is love. You know, I'll just, you know, do it anyhow. When I'm, when I'm in trouble, then I'll call upon him. He's not going to work for you. Secondly, secondly, faithfulness is very important. When you read the book of Hebrews, okay, Hebrews chapter 1 talks about the difference between Jesus and the angels. How Jesus is better than the angels. Chapter 2 also continues. Then in chapter 3, he talks about how Jesus he compares Jesus and Moses. Now, the difference between Jesus and Moses, okay, what Paul used over there was unfaithfulness. He said, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of your profession, Jesus Christ. And he goes and says, Who was faithful? Hmm? Hebrews 3 verse 2. He talks about faithfulness. And when I saw this yesterday, I was shocked. Say that Jesus, the first attribute was his faithfulness. Then he said, Okay, Moses was also faithful. He also says, just like Moses, you see it in verse 2, 3 of Hebrews chapter 3. Say Moses was faithful. Jesus was so faithful. But do you know the difference, which is in verse 5 and 6? He says that Jesus' faithfulness was because he was a son. But Moses' faithfulness was because he was a servant. There are difference. For example, let's say your father has a house. Hmm? Then you have a servant and you have a son. We know most sons are prodigal. Because there is a servant in the house, they don't do anything. They allow the servants to. But we have some faithful servants, like the, the, the elder son. He was working in the father's room. He was faithful to the father. Then you also have other servants, okay, who, you know, they are faithful because they are servants. But they are, they are different. One is faithful because the possessions are his. This is my father's business. I'll work, I'll be faithful. I don't want it to collapse. There is another one who, is, who has just been employed. He is also faithful because he's a servant and he'll be rewarded. They are different. So, in this church, okay, all, I know people are serving, but you see, you can serve because they have, invi- they have um, called you to become, let's say, a president or vice. Okay, I'm a servant, I'm serving. Or, you can serve here faithfully, knowing that this institution, this body is yours, and if you don't do it well, it will collapse. Hallelujah. And those, that is the reason why Christ was more superior to Moses in that respect, because his faithfulness was 
the faithfulness of a son, not just a mere servant. Hallelujah. So that is what I wanted to talk to you about, about <clears throat> leadership. And, and it's, it's very important to understand that, you know, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, after God told him that I called you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nation, we come to Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah started doing the work, small, 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 like most of us. Okay, we accepted to serve. Then we come to the, the peak of it, 20. Then the pressures begin to come. So now Jeremiah was being pressured in chapter 20. He said, God, Charlie, I can't. Let's see what he said in Jeremiah chapter 20. Verse, you know, verse 7. He said, oh Lord, you have induced me. This, Jeremiah, he said, when you read this, you cry. This is what Jeremiah is saying. When the thing was like, you know, I know most of you are serving and Charlie, uh, come on, do you get it? Like you are feeling the pressure. That's what Jeremiah was feeling. So you are not the first. Hallelujah. He was feeling it. And look at what Jeremiah said. He said, oh Lord, you have, <clears throat> if you use the KJV, he said, you have deceived me. I thought this thing would be easy. I thought when they were calling me into office, it was going to be cheap, right? He said, you have, he said, the NKJV used the word induce. The KJV used the word deceive. He said, you have deceived me. I was persuaded. Because you are stronger than me, you have called me, okay? And I am in, um, um, how do you call it? The recent day, daily, okay? Because people are mocking, mocking me, mocking me, mocking me. People are teasing me left and right. So verse 8. Okay? Um, okay, let, let's go to verse 9. Verse 9 said that, after all these things, he said that, then I, I swore, this is Jeremiah, he said, God, I will not mention your name again. Hey! He said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. I, I know some of you, you've gotten, you've gotten to that stage. Hey, listen, I don't mean, mean again. Like I'm telling you, I will not do it again. You know, you see, I can mention names. Should I switch into, I know people like prophetics. Eh? I can switch Oh, why are you... Don't worry, I'll, I'll not call him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. You see, this thing I'm saying, it is cutting some people because it was a prophetic word I received from God. Okay? This is not what I prepared. It was a prophetic word. So it is addressing some people's issue. And God is healing. He said he sends forth his word to heal. And I know it's, it's after this, you, you will be switched. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But you see, there was a but. He said, I saw the head. Do you know what I mean? You're being... And he said, but, hallelujah. You see, when I'm reading the Bible and I see but, I'm excited. Because there's, it's always going to, there's always going to be a turnaround, right? He said that, but, his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bone. That's where we, we get that phrase. His word is shut up in my bone. This is where it's coming from. Amen. But this is not what I wanted to talk about. Okay, we have about 40 minutes. So let's go on to the, the main theme for today's lecture. This is what I was just intro. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter now, um, I think they told me to come and talk about spiritual gifts. Then I said that I know ICGC. They've been teaching you spiritual gifts, sir. I know. Okay, so I'm going to do it a bit differently. And this time, eh, you actually leave here with spiritual gifts. Hallelujah. It's not that you are just coming to hear, hear things and then you go in and prove knowledge. You just have knowledge you know about. Hallelujah. I'm going to teach you so that you live here. And then you know that this thing that we are talking about is not fairy tales. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, usually what I will do is that I will, I will usually give a summary from chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And then I will come to chapter 12. But we don't have time for that. So let's start from chapter 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts. Okay. And if, you are, if your eyes are open small, you see that in your Bible the gift is in italic. Right, can you see it? Mm-hmm. But you see, those who don't take their Bible seriously, oh, I'm okay. 
you know, then they miss the whole revelation in that, in that aspect. Okay, whatever you see in italic means originally it wasn't there, so um, it, it's supposed to actually have been read concerning the spiritual, okay? The spiritual is what is called the pneumaticus. So that means that First Corinthians 12, 13, 14 is talking about what is called the spiritual, okay? or the dealings or the operations of the spirit. And we have to understand that just as the physical realm hmm, is real, Okay, in that same magnitude or even higher than that is the reality of the spiritual. Hallelujah. Yes. You see, I can see. The reason why the physical is, is real to us is because God gave us our sensual perception, the eyes, the nose, the tongue, the ears, and the skin, okay, to communicate. The reason why God gave us those sensual organs or the sense organs is so that we can have interaction with our environment. That is all. You can see. You can behold. Right? Imagine you are blind. You can Goodness, I told someone I prefer to be blind than not to taste. <laughs> you know, my tongue is very important. Hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> Amen. Or, or do you want to see and then you can't taste? What? You have to taste food. Hallelujah. Yes. So God gave us all these organs so that we can have interaction with our environment. Okay? Imagine you, you the same person. You can't see. You can't smell. You can't taste. Then what are you? Just die. Okay? Die because... What is it? So God gave us those organs so that we can have interaction with our environment. Full stop, okay? So with that, the environment becomes real to us. In the same vein, God, when you come into Christ, He gives you faith. And the faith He gives you then becomes the sensual organ for you to perceive spiritual things. Okay? So if you have faith, then spiritual things become real to you. You see? So if spiritual things are not real to you, check your faith. Okay? It's like maybe... Out of the five sense organs, maybe only one is working. So you see, you, you have small faith, so the spiritual things are real to you in a certain small magnitude. You get it. But those who sense organs are real and, and are fully awake, the spiritual realm is very real to them. Hallelujah. Yes. I'm not only talking about it in terms of, um, how do you call it, um, in terms of the positive. Even in terms of the negatives, which is all those people, they are also, uh, there's a certain level of Spirituality that is real to them, and they are operating in them. Do you get it? In the same way, God gives us faith, and our faith in God then must become that sense organ through which we perceive the spiritual, what is called the pneumaticus. Okay? So, faith then enables us to perceive. And your level of faith is going to give us an idea of the amount of the supernatural that you can experience or becomes real in your life. Amen. So that's what I'm talking about. So, it's not, it's not fake. Do you get it? This is why it's real. Hallelujah. It is real. Just as this thing is real over here. What you are going to talk about today is real. And I want you to understand that first. Please, are you okay with that? Or you're not okay. Let me further convince you. So that you understand this. Because if you understand how real this thing is, you live here blessed. Hallelujah. Let's talk about it. How many of us believe that God exists? You, you believe that God exists, eh? I told someone, I went to church, and you know, I told someone, okay, prove to me. Prove to me that God exists. And I believe that most Christians don't believe that God exists. We believe that God is like Father Christmas. Fairy tale. You know, Father Christmas, right? You've heard of Father Christmas. We know that he's not there, but everybody, Father Christmas, Father Christmas. You see? That is how people's, that's people's attitude towards God. They said, God, 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 God. But, Charlie, so. Like when they give it to you, you are going to church, so you, too, you, are, you are following, do you get this? You came here, I see you, so you, you just joined. But how real is God to you? That's the question. 
See, God exists. Full stop. If God exists, then spiritual things exist. Okay, I don't go much into it. So then, Paul is now telling the church. Remember the church of Corinth. They were, it was a church that they had a lot of spiritual gifts. Paul said that they came behind with no spiritual, with no, um, how do you call it? They came behind with no gift. That is to say, in proper English, that they had a lot of gifts over there. That is in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Ah, these people were gifted. You know, word of knowledge, word of prophecy. It was there, like, it was so common over there. Do you get it? It was common. Not in our dispensation where the spiritual is dead. Hmm? Then when you see someone, come on. Your name is Selina. Am I lying? Do I know you from anywhere? Have you met before? Give God to it. Then people are excited. Hey, he mentioned, and so what? Someone mentioned your name. Don't you know it's your name? Why are you excited about it? Do you get it? This is what we're excited Because, you know, the, the spiritual is locked up in this dispensation. Do you know why? First of all, ignorance. Secondly, you are not faithful. That is it. That is it. So then, he begins by saying that concerning spiritual things, brethren, I will not have you to be ignorant. Now, remember that these people had the gifts, okay? So why is Paul saying that I don't want you to be ignorant? But the gifts were there, right? There's difference between knowledge and understanding. They knew the gifts. They knew speaking in tongues, but they didn't understand it. And today my aim is to let you understand the mystery of speaking in tongues. That's because we speak. If you understand it well, eh? that's what Paul said. I don't want you to be ignorant about the things that you do. Do you understand? I don't. That's why he said, twelve one concerning spiritual gifts. I would that you be not ignorant, or I don't want you to be ignorant. They had the gift. Most of us here speak in tongues, but I'm going to show you how to do it well and how to release power from it. Then now you become a powerful person. Whatever you want in your life, you speak it and it comes to pass. Hallelujah. We are going to look at that today. So then he goes ahead in verse two and saying that no. He said, you know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these damp idols. However, you were late. It's an interesting dynamics to understand that he's going to talk about spiritual things. Then he first, okay, contrasts the damp idols to the living God. Okay? Usually when you read the Bible, you realize that whenever they are contrasting idols to God, it is always in terms of speech. Damp idols. Because if something is damp, it is powerless. Hallelujah. Because power is released by speech. We are seeing over here. And think about the importance of speaking tongues. You know, I'm building it up little by little. That's why I said that you, you now, you see, your damp idols, they can't talk. Any Christian who does not speak in tongues is... Let me hold on. <laughs> before people, let me see if there are stones over there. Before you cast stones... Hallelujah. You see, but, but that's the truth. I'll show you. That what, 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 you know, all the spiritual gifts that, that they mentioned over there, what bears them, okay, what brings them is speaking in tongues. If you don't, that's why you can't prophesy. You don't speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is the fundamental, is the basic, is the substratum. Okay, when you do that, it's, it releases all the others. Okay, you understand that little one. Hmm. So he says that, verse 3, Therefore, I make known unto you that no one Look at it. No one... Which, word, which verb is there? 
No, which word is there? Speaking. Speaking. You see the word speaking. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a case. And no one can say, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3, and no one can say, speak, speaking, that Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. That means that even saying Jesus is Lord, is by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? It's by the Holy Spirit. If just saying Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit, then do you know, hmm? do you know who leaves you when you are speaking in tongues? You see? Even by speaking words that you understand, Jesus is Lord, was led by the Spirit. Then when you speak in tongues, you know who is leading you. You are led by the Spirit. That is what he is saying over here. Hallelujah. Amen. Good. Verse 4. So from verse 4 all the way to verse um, 9, he talks about the various gifts, okay? Let me just end there. And let's go to verse 13. Chapter 13. You know chapter 13. Let's, let's start with chapter 13. What does it say? Do I... Okay, full stop. Do I speak with the tongues of angels? So, now someone asked me, what does it really mean to be spiritual? See, we use that, those jargons and, who is someone spiritual, what does it mean? And I told the person, it's two things, okay? Just simple. Life is not complicated. It's two. First of all, walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And secondly, the gift of the Spirit. That is a demonstration that someone, a Christian, is spiritual. These two. Okay? These two. But, of course, the premium then is on the gifts, not, sorry, on the fruits, not the gifts. Do you understand? I'll prefer that I walk in love than I prophesy. Because the important one is what? The fruit of, that's why after listing all the gifts in chapter 12, he goes to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians and says that, though I speak in tongues, though I prophesy, but I don't have love, which is the fruit of the, the fruit of the Spirit is only one. It's not nine. It's what? One. What is that? Love. All the other things that you, you see in, in um, um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, all the other things you see are all describing love, faithfulness, and you see that when you compare it with 1 Corinthians 13, which is love is this, love is that. It's, if you look at it, it's all the things that is stated in Galatians 5, 22. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. So he then comes to say that you can have all the spiritual gifts eh? But if you don't walk in love, it does not profit anyone. That is what First Corinthians 13 is talking about. So he had to make that interjection between chapters 12 and 14 to, to let them understand that you may have all these gifts in the church, but if you are not walking in love, it is nothing. Because what was happening in the church was that because someone could prophesy, someone, could, someone had the word of knowledge, they thought they were superior to those that were in the church that were only speaking in tongues, who didn't have that. So they were abusing them. You get it. So Paul said that you can have all these things, but you need to walk in love. Let me tell you something. You see, the motive for which you want the gift of the Spirit is the reason why you don't have it. Hallelujah. What? You want it to show off. And you need to, I can prophesy. You will never have it. Hallelujah. You never have it. Okay. So that is what First Corinthians 13 talks about. Do I speak with the tongue of angels? And it goes ahead. Then that brings us to 14. Does anyone have the KJV? I don't like KJV. This one, I was just bringing it for formality. So that you don't say I didn't come with, with the Bible. So you have... Uh, okay, or I can open my phone. If I don't use the KJV, I get confused. <clears throat> so let's go to verse, verse 14 and see something. 
Uh, sorry, chapter 14. Please, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Okay. <clears throat> Good. So then, okay, I love it. Uh-huh, this one looks familiar. It says that, follow after what? Charity. So, 13, what come? 13, he's spoken about charity. That is love. Then now he comes to 14 and says that, okay, Follow after charity. But you see, as a Christian, if you are walking in love and all the fruits of the Spirit, you are a good person, you are nice, you are, you know, you are faithful, you are gentle, you are meek, it's okay. So follow after charity. And do what? Did he use the word or, or use the word end? End. So that means that having the, the fruits, we exhaust the fruits. But it's not enough. You said that end. Do what? Desire. Desire, spiritual words. The gift is in italics. Good. Desire, but desire the spiritual. So desire the spiritual. Okay? But rather that ye prophesy. Okay, I'll show you something. Let's go to verse 2. For he that, which verb is there, speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. How be it? In the spirit, he speaketh mysterion. That is mystery. When you talk about the word mysterion, which is the word mystery, other English word, enigmatic, you know, should I give you more? You know, ethereal, enigmatic, mystical, ontological. They are all showing that these things are not things that with our human minds we can comprehend. The word mysterion means initiated. It's like, you know, awkward, right? We need to do it. Initiate you. That's the word. When you say mystery, it's only certain people who are initiated into that realm to understand. Okay? Those that have the, the gift of interpreting tongues, they are the ones that can understand what you are saying. So, it is a mystery. If you are not initiated into that realm, you never understand. Hallelujah. That's why it's a mystery. It being mysterious doesn't mean it is foolish. <laughs> Hallelujah. The fact that you don't understand... If I come right now and I start talking about the string, th- um, string theory okay, of quantum physics, you'll be looking at me as, uh, okay, so the fact that you don't understand doesn't mean what I'm saying is foolish. It's just that you are ignorant. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So if you are speaking in tongues and someone is looking at you like you're a fool, so that, yeah, I prefer to be foolish and release things in the spirit, right? Than for you to walk. You know, you know let me tell you something. You see, we are all living well, right? When it comes to certain things, you don't need the pneumatic course to get them, right? Pass new exams. Oh, Fletcher. Shall she pass all the exams? Hallelujah. Yeah. Fletcher, if she doesn't pray, oh, super. By default, some people are excellent. Do you get it? By default, they are, they are excellent. So, such a person, by default, some people are rich. By default, some people are healthy. Do you get it? So, such a person... Does not need to pray. <laughs> Do you get it? You don't, you don't need to pray. You can go and pass your exams. You know, that's why when you are bringing people to church, don't tell them that if you come to church, you pass your exams. That is not how it works. They will come and they will feel and they, don't, they will not come to church again. Because the reason why you are coming to church is not because of physical things. It's more than that. Do you, if, you want to, if you want to pass your exams, ah, if you don't, me, I've never prayed. The only time I pray for my exams was the final part. Because, not nah, even. <laughs> 
final exam, that one, even with you guys, that one I pray. But I said that, I don't usually go in praying for an exam. I know that by default, I'll get about 60. Do you get it? So, me, I'm not afraid. I'll get about 60. Okay? So, I don't need to pray for, for the exams. My prayer is, if I pray, it's for other higher things, not mere exams, or mere money, or mere health. Hey, mere health. You, you get a realm where health is near. Do you get it? Hallelujah. So, these people, they don't need any of the spiritual. So, if you are praying, for them, their life is moving on well, right? They don't, they don't, even, they don't think they need prayers. But a time is coming, eh? When this time, your physical will fail you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your money will fail you. Your intellect will fail you. Your beauty will fail you. That's when you know that, hey, Charlie, there is, then they start calling their pastors. Hallelujah. Yes. As a Christian, you see, your life may be going on smoothly for you. You don't think you need to speak in tongues. You don't think you need to pray. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask someone say, Uba. Uba. Do you get it? You go ahead. A time will come. Then you need prayers. Then now, you begin to speak, hey, la, 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 and nothing will happen. Do you get it? If you hear see. Then, now, oh God, does this thing really exist? you get it? Is this thing... Are you seeing it? One day, they brought some people to Jesus to heal. Then Jesus said, this kind, you see? So there are different kinds. There are some kinds that your five minutes prayers can do. But this kind, do you get it? This kind goeth not, but by fastings. Plural. And what? prayers. So when Jesus came and Jesus healed, it wasn't Jesus' instantaneous words that healed. Of course, we know Jesus is powerful. But what he was trying to exhibit and demonstrate in that scripture was that his Mark 1.30 prayers, a great while before dawn, when he used to pray, though it's just the accumulation and conglomeration of those prayers that made him powerful, such that when he comes out and he meets a demon and he speaks, now his words are powerful. Hallelujah! So all those prayers that you are praying, little by little, little, is just preparing you for one day. So that when the day comes and you face the adversity, you can speak and now they hear you because they know. You know the demons, they know. You said that, Paul, I know. If you are not praying, the demons know. The circumstances know that you are not a prayerful person. So when you speak to them, they will not mind you. Hallelujah. So then, um, I know our, our time is up and I've not even exhausted, you know. Uh, let, let's go on to, so I've talked about the, the realities of um, the pneumaticals. And I've said that speaking in tongues then becomes the principal, fundamental, or the substratum of all the pneumaticals. It initiates the other gifts, okay? Is, is that is the soil or the bean of ground which initiates or helps nature or the other spiritual gifts. If you want to speak, if you want prophecy, whatever you want. You said desire. See, you don't desire. Do you know what desire is? Do you know what desire is? Have you seen someone desiring alcohol before? Withdrawal symptoms. That is what you are talking about. Hey. One family and you get like, you know, oh, goodness. There's, I, mean, I, I like watching funny videos. There's one, have you seen that funny video? The guy, the big guy, he said they should bring him the banku. Have you seen it? One family If you don't give me the banku, like, I'll die. You get, that's what he's, he's talking about here. That we should desire that God, hey, just take one or two. Father Lord, if you don't give me this healing anointing, like, I'll die. Can you imagine the wickedness, eh? When God knows that you, if you fast and pray and you speak in tongues, eh? You can have the healing anointing. The, word and the woman that is dying eh, can just touch the person and the person will be healed. You have the, 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 the potential. Yeah. So he's telling her that there are all these miracles, these gifts there. But the church must desire. And because the church is not desiring it, we are powerless. God will not come in and just give it to you. You have to desire it first. Hallelujah. So I've explained that speaking in tongues then becomes that which initiates the pneumaticals. 
So then, <clears throat> good. Let me almost let me let me close. If I say let me close, it means it will take me 15 minutes to, to just close. Hallelujah. Let me close my notebook. What is speaking in tongues? We have seen that speaking in tongues is the primary manifestation of the Spirit. Anytime if I pray for you, I lay hands on you, and I say receive the Holy Spirit. Have you seen being done before? You, you just start, someone say receive the Holy Spirit, and then, you know, they start speaking in tongues, right? Right? Speaking in tongues is the primary manifestation of the Spirit. Those days, when the Holy Spirit came, on the day of Pentecost, right? What happened? You see, the manifestation of tongues was the tongue of fire. <laughs> Hallelujah. The tongue of fire is just, is just tongue. It was just to demonstrate that God has made their tongues fire. That is who a Christian is. When you speak in tongues, you are released. God makes your tongues like fire. And when you speak, situations obey. Hallelujah. That is it. And if you don't understand this, eh, you will think that when you say speaking in tongues, you are, but me, when I'm speaking in tongues, I'm aware of this. Do you get it? I'm aware of this. It is consciousness. Why are you just... Hey, this prayer secretary is crying. Hey, you are, you, are, you are wasting your time. Just, you go, leave the prayer meeting and go and sleep. Do you get it? Go and sleep. You are wasting time. But as you are praying, you are aware, oh goodness, that I'm releasing power. Do you get it? I'm releasing fire. I'm releasing power. I'm speaking to circumstances. Do you get it? You see, let me, let me just show you this as I'm, as I'm ending. As I'm ending. The origin of, play, uh, of um, praying, okay, or the place of prayer. Why must we speak in tongues? Why must we pray? When you go to Genesis chapter 4, the last verse, Genesis 4. Genesis 4 and Genesis 5, talking about the genealogy, okay? That is, um, Genesis 4 talks about the genealogy of Cain, Cain's descendants. Genesis 5 talks about Seth's descendants, because Abel was, was, I mean, they killed Abel. So Seth's descendants. So Seth's Okay, so Adam gave birth to Seth. Seth gave birth to Enos. Enos gave birth to Canaan. Canaan gave birth to um, Mahalalel, Mahalalel, Jared, Jared, Enoch, Enoch, Methuselah, Methuselah, Lamech, Lamech, Noah, and Noah and his three sons. So here, in the last verse of Genesis 4, we see a very interesting thing. When Seth gave birth to Enos, is, is anyone there? Can you see it? Is that he named his son Enos. The meaning of Enos means Mortality. Man is mortal. I can give you the meaning of all the names. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. And so I can give you all the way to the end. The meaning of it. But what he's saying over here is that, you see, from Adam, when God told Adam that man would die, from his time no one had died. Though. So they were just chilling, chilling, chilling. When, it got to, when, when Adam gave birth to Seth and Seth gave birth to Enos, that was when people began to die. They said, hey, this thing is true. So he named his son Mortality. And that was when people now began to call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I, no, look at it before you say I'm speaking mysteries. Can you see there? He named the son Enos. What has naming someone Enos got to do with men calling upon the name of the Lord? Do you get it? And then men begin. You see, the, 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 the origin of prayer is when men see their mortality. When men see their weakness, their fragility, how frail they are, how sordid they are, that is when they begin to call upon the name of the Lord. So prayer then means man acknowledging his weakness. Man acknowledging that without God he is nothing. So if you see someone who doesn't pray, that person is arrogant and self-sufficient. Hallelujah. That is the place of prayer. 
Before you know that God without you, he's God. Without you, I can't do it. And such attitude of humility always takes a person in the place of prayer. If you're not praying much, you're arrogant. You think that, you know, I have it all together. I can, I can do it. That is why he said in Romans chapter 8 that likewise, the Spirit himself helped our infirmity, our weaknesses. He said that, for we know not, not how to pray. If, if you say how to pray, catch it up. Mm. He didn't take it seriously. We know not what to pray as we ought to pray. Not how. It's not the mechanism or the machinery of prayer, but it's the content of prayer. We don't know what to pray as we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself. You get it? And he continues. Our time is almost up. So the, the place of praying is a place where you know that God without you, I can't do anything. Let me end with this verse in two verses, then I'll end. In First Timothy chapter 2, the first of four, then he mentions four types of prayers. The first one mentioned was what? Supplication. <clears throat> I'll, I'll just, I'm ending with the, the meaning of supplication. Because speaking in tongues is supplication. That, that's, that's what I want to end with. First of all, supplication, intercession, prayers, and giving of thanks, right? Have I, is the other right, or have mixed it? Uh, okay, which one was again? Prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For what? For kings and those in authority. Mm, for this is okay, quite an impeachable in the sight of... Okay, okay. Continue. For this is good. So God is saying that prayer is good. For this is good. And what? Acceptable. Mm-hmm. In the sight of God our Savior. Who would that all men be saved and come to the acknowledgement of the truth? Hallelujah. So these are types of prayers. There are different forms of prayers. Okay, so when you are praying, sometimes you have prayers of thanksgiving. Then you have supplication. Then you have intercession. Then you have another prayer, type of prayer called prayers. <laughs> Hallelujah. So is that first? You see, supplication is always first. Anytime you see the Bible, they're talking about the, the various or different types of prayers. Supplication is always first. Okay. The meaning of supplication, when you say supplication, supplication means an earnest entreaty. Earnest. Like, you are begging someone to earnest entreaty. Like, hey, Mr. You know, that, that video. Mr. Mr. Mikoto Like, that's the kind of prayer. Like, you are praying with all intensity, with all zeal, with all ebullience, with all, like, you are, you are just praying, okay? That God, this one, that, that, that's the attitude towards prayer. Not all these, you know, you know, do you understand? It's, it's an endless entreaty. Like, God, you have to come through for me. Endless. And when you look at the word endless, endless means sincere and intense. Like, so that's the, the kind of prayer I'm talking about. When you are speaking in tongues, okay, you are doing it, you are supplicating. And I said supplication is what? It's an earnest entreaty. And I said earnest means what? Sincere and intense. So then, okay, last two verses. This would then take us to, um, okay, this would take us to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. I'll explain that verse then. I'll end our time. Is anyone there? This was after talking about the, the armor of God. Eh? Then he ends with Ephesians 6.18. Which says that... Oh, I forgot. Praying, listen. 
Praying what? Always with good. With all prayer and supplication, which is continuous. Good. So, listen. Praying with all prayers. Okay? If, if you are reading the entire thing, it's supposed to be praying with all prayers, which is supplication in the spirit. When you say someone is supplication in the spirit, I've told you, speaking in tongues. So, he's he, he saying that when you speak in tongues, eh, all the various types of prayers, you do all of them together. <laughs> so, praying always, eh, praying always with all prayers, which is the supplication in the spirit, and watching thereon to you, perseverance, supplication for all saints. That means that, you see, now, Christians must be taught that prayers must be just opposed with perseverance. You don't just pray one and stop. He's telling you that as you supplicate in the spirit, you have to just oppose it with what? With what? Perseverance. And as you make supplication for all sins. And that is why, this will lead to the last verse, in James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, it says that Elijah was a man who was subject to like passions. Yes, he prayed. Now, let's describe Elijah's prayer. Uh-huh. So, can someone read for us? Um, James 5, 17. I'm ending with that. Mm-hmm. And he prayed... Can you see that word over there? He prayed... So which type of prayer is this? Supplication. That there should be what? It will not rain for three and a half years. But, did you see Elijah praying that there shouldn't be any rain? Did he pray earnestly? No. He just went to the king and said that, at my word, there shall be no rain or dew. Here, he's describing him as praying earnestly. Do you know why? Because, Elijah prayed in his room before he went to stand in front of the king and made the decree. That's what I'm telling you. That before you go out Okay, you face the situation. Before you pray to God, you should have been doing the prayers in your room. Hallelujah. The endless prayer must be on your knees in your room. That is where the prayer is. That, so that when you step out of your room, you are stepping out with power. It's not when you face the situation and you begin to open your mouth. Like God is like, you know, genie. You rub. Hey, what do you want? Hey, God, do this. No, it doesn't work like that. That's why prayers seems not to work for most people. Because we are waiting that in, in, the, in the face of the situation, that's when you begin to speak. The situation that you are not a prayerful person. Because a men men Do you get those kind of things? Hallelujah. You see, another thing that tells us about the intensity of Elijah's prayers to lock the heavens for three and a half years is the amount of prayers it took him to open it. <laughs> I'm sure we are, we are okay with that, that story. He prayed. Then he sent the servant. Go and check whether the rains, the clouds are formed. He went back seven times, right? Elijah was praying. He said he, he prayed. His head was in between his thighs, right? In, in the position of pregnant, in those days, pregnant women, when they were in, in pain. He said they are, you know, in, in, in the peak of labor. Uh-huh. That's what Paul said. My little children, of whom I travail. That, that's what is called travailing prayers. Uh-huh. They, they take the position of pregnant women who are in labor. That is intense pain and prayer. Hallelujah. Him, go and come. Go and come. He went there. He prayed that. You know, from the mountains to the sea. So you can imagine. Let's even say seven kilometers. It will take the servants one hour to go and check. Another hour to come. Seven times. Multiply it and see how many hours Elijah was praying. That was perseverance. So you are supplicating and persevering. That's 
that is an illustration of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Hallelujah. So as you speak in tongues, I want you to be aware of these realities. They are not just speaking mere words. You have releasing fire in the tongue. When you begin to speak, eh, you see, your tongue becomes, if, if I should open your eyes, eh, see someone speaking in tongues, the person's tongue is fire. Begin to, and as the words are coming out, the words are coming out as swords. Hmm? Swords. This is not fairy tale. The fact that you, know, you, don't, you, you are ignorant of it doesn't mean it's not true. Come up, come up here. Come up a bit. And you will see the realities of these spiritual things. Hallelujah. Shall we be on our feet? Korabashatalaba. Says that praying always, with all prayers, yea, even the supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto, all perseverance. I want you to pray that God will grant you the grace to pray. You see, that's why He began by saying, "And these are dumb idols." If you're a Christian and you, you can't speak, you are you are powerless. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shatala balaba. I want to give us five minutes. I want us to pray. I want us to intercede. I'm giving you five minutes to release power. And pray with this understanding. Hey, Makada, release power, release strength, release abilities as you speak. Mantalaba adegezegede. Katalabalabalaba. Hey, Shatalabalaba. You are building yourself up. He said, anyone that's speaking in tongues edifies himself. Tanks of fire. We release. Elijah was a man with like passion, yet he prayed earnestly. Thank you, Jesus. Just, just lift your right hand. And I, I see God rekindling someone's prayer life. See that some of you went into a state of dormancy. But as your hands are lifted up, I see God empowering someone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see the fire being released. The tanks of fire. All over the place. All over the place. All over the place. All over the place. There's release of fire. There's release of fire. There's release of power. There's release of anointing. Makata. You are leaving this place strengthened. You are leaving this place strong. Makalaba. Our tanks have been unleashed. When you begin to pray, it's with fire. When you begin to speak, it's with fire. In the name of Jesus. Kalabalabalaba, shatatatatata. Zikatalabalaba, shalabalabalaba. 
Pray that the Lord gives you a new tongue this morning. A new tongue this morning. A new tongue this morning. Patae loco, vente que si protope que te breco pe que me cotopo topa que te que que le coste te fete mato que pe que te manca tae cote fete y lo treve cotonomos abrente que celebre y cataime o costove e que tanos atreve metelia con estra penotra y nantra canacra sata. Pray that the Lord makes you a giant of prayer. Me cone vetataya. El hombre cavinios amindia satela aloca sataya. Adaliokose presenema intolobo katiakos ayente keliatayam. Hey, we shall be giants. Bayoko sande vegetainos ale cresanta nagra seketehese. Inombra shokre venko mestre vento makata. Kiosa katayam. Legre de gesoto vakatai. Ilobre ke vedegresente negresete. Potentials will be unleashed as we speak. Bayo sabadaya katoya gadiasaya. A potential shall be unleashed as we speak. Yes, Lord. Malia Josefre in Anosa Katai. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Calabras Tibra Ibosafa. Kiluadivas. Payalagra Sada. Someone has unlocked a certain door this morning. A key has been given unto you. And the Lord says it is time to unlock a certain door this morning. It is the door to your next level. That key is the supplication of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Gracious God, we thank you for this blessed morning. We thank you for this precious gift that will speak in the language of the community of heaven. Father, I thank you for everyone who was enlightened this morning by your word. I thank you that this word will be of full effect in their lives. I thank you that prayer in this church is changing. I thank you that personal prayers are changing. I thank you that people are being rewired because of the kind of prayers they shall offer on the altar of incense. I pray that in this church there would always be a fire. 
two or three, four or five, a thousand, it would always be a fire on the altar. Father, we give you thanks, we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Don't stand there. I want us to pray for the man of God. Let us lift him before the Lord. Let us speak forth into his life. Let us speak in the language of the Spirit and speak mysteries into his life. That whatever the Lord has planned for him, whatever purpose that